I was told 20 minutes, and so I'm going to take this off so I can actually. I can't tell time, but. <laughs> That's just what I need. That's what Terry Hawkins said as Gideon's walked by his prison cell. They offered him a New Testament. Gideon's, who are they? Born again business and professional men with one purpose to win men and women, boys and girls, the Lord Jesus Christ. They do it by working together through witnessing and passing out God's word. And that's what they were there for that day in that prison. Hand out to those men in prison a testament if they would take it. Terry took it, looked at it. He quickly came to the conclusion, that's just what I need. But it wasn't quite what you might think. Terry was one of those individuals who went out to the yard periodically. And out in the yard, there was a plant that grew. It was called periwinkle. Now, I didn't know this before I heard Terry's testimony, but if you take periwinkle and you dry it and crumble it up and you, well, you know the routine. Maybe you don't. I don't know. Whether you want to admit it. But if you wrap it up and you smoke it, it's mildly hallucinatory. And it would help him get through the drudgery of being in prison. He could get a lot of periwinkle, but he had trouble getting good paper. This was right size, thin. He thought, that's just what I need. So he took it. By the way, that's not what we go to the prisons for. Terry's testimony is that I smoked my way through Matthew. I smoked my way through Mark. I smoked my way through Luke. And by the way, those are some pretty big books. He said, I got to John and I thought I ought to read what I've been smoking. His testimony is, John smoked me. That's how he finds Jesus Christ. Not all of them are that dramatic, but God is working through his word. Wherever we're handing out God's word, in the hospitals, and nursing homes, in hotels, that's what we're noted for is being in hotels. We used to be in 95% of all hotels. COVID and a few other things, we're now in 48% and it's getting tougher. I'm going to ask for prayer, you know, that you pray for us later. That's one of the things to pray for, that we would continue to go into these hotels, ask and get turned down and all like this. On university campuses, we used to go to schools. Some of you may have been around when the Gideon came into school one time and gave you a testament. If you're under a certain age, you'd have no idea what that's about because the schools are closed to us. We can go to the Russia and hand out in schools. I've been in Thailand and Panama and other places and handed out, but we can't do it in this country. Even the Christian schools today are saying no. That's amazing. But we still try to go to schools. We try to hand out Bibles, Testaments, wherever youth are, because that's 80% of what we hand out is to youth, fifth grade on up. So we end up going to fairs and other places that would be appropriate where we can give God's word because we know that the youth need God's word. We all need it. But you know, so many of today's youth, and I'm not telling you anything you don't know, don't go to church. They don't go to Sunday school. They get no biblical teaching at all. And so we're trying to reach them in that way. Why do we do all this? Isaiah 55, 11 is our purpose for, for doing all this. You may or may not know this verse, but it's, so shall my word be that goeth forth out of my mouth. It shall not return unto me void, but shall accomplish that which I please, and it shall prosper in the thing whereto I send it. God says, as you distribute the word, as you pass, give a sermon, as you do whatever, in my it doesn't fall on empty ears. It may not be what you thought it was going to be for, but it has a purpose. On a college campus in, South, in, in, in Brazil, 
And Gideon's, by the way, are in 200 countries around the world. So it's a big organization. In Brazil, one day they were handing out testaments on a college campus. Many students just say, no, I don't want it. I'm okay. Leave me alone. But one young man took a testament. He didn't want to offend the Gideons who were there, but he wasn't interested at all in it. He could have cared less about that book. But in the building outside where they were handing out, there was a man on the roof. He worked for the university and he was tarring the roof that day. And if you ever tarred roofs, it is not a fun job. And he was up there thinking, God, if you're real, I need a sign. The youth went around the corner when the Gideons weren't looking and he tossed his testament. Guess where it landed? At the foot of that man who said, that man now knows God. That's not what we intended, but it's what God had in mind. He works that way. Terry Helmsley was from Montana. I guess she still is. But uh, she was a single mother, worked hard, was getting nowhere in life, just figured that life was on a spiral down. She found herself one day sitting in the back of a closet, dark, with a handgun pointed to her head. I don't know why I want to live, but she's, before she pulled the trigger, she said, God, if you're real and if you love me, show me before I pull the trigger. At that moment, her son came in the front door and said, Mama, Mama, look what I got in school today. The Gideons had been at that school. They weren't inside, but they were outside on the sidewalk. And he got a, he got a Bible, a, a New Testament. And he was excited to show it to his mother. Now, I don't know how many of you have ever gone home and found that your mother comes out of the closet, but she came out of the closet and he was so excited to show it. I don't even think he thought about the fact his mom came out of the closet. They sat down together and read it. And that was the beginning of her journey to find Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. If we can't go in the schools, we try to stand on sidewalks when we can, but you know, there's fewer and fewer of those, but we're going to keep trying every place. Stanislaw Stavinsky was raised in communist Poland. He learned about God and it was the communist party, the communist state. Don't Jesus Christ. No, no. That was some Western decadent stuff. You only knew communism. Aaron Curtin fell. Now he was freedom, but from what he, you know, he came to the United States because after all this freedom, he was now a businessman in Poland and he was coming to Chicago. Now you may or may not know, but Chicago has the largest Polish population outside of Poland of any city. And he was going there to transact some business international. And see, so he flew in and it was late and he went to his hotel, checked in. Now what? He didn't speak English. He spoke only Polish. He turned on the television. <laughs> Maybe a surprise, but there was no Polish television. He looked around and he went outside and signs in English, but none of them in Polish. What was he going to do? He went back to his room, looked through the drawers in that hotel. And what he found was a Bible placed by the Gideons, maybe supplied by a church like this one through their offerings. We want to thank you. He opened it up. Most of it was in English, but a few pages in, if you take a Bible sometime, if you go into the hotel, don't just look for it, but open it up and look at it. A few pages in, there's a very interesting section. Some kids I find most interesting in this. There is something written, something you may have heard of, John 3.16. It's written there in 20-some different languages. One of them's Polish. Stanislaw carried out his business the next day, and after the business meeting, he mentioned to his friends who spoke Polish what had happened to him, and he said, I'm interested in what was there. And they knew right away what he was talking about. It was a Bible. 
He said, I want where that is. So they took him to a Polish bookstore, and they had Polish books there. And he picked up a Polish Bible. And Stanislaw then, through that, came to know Jesus Christ. It's not even the whole Bible, just one little verse in a foreign language. But God uses it. He has a purpose for it. He has a way of, of using his word. When we go place Bibles, we don't do it alone. We take you with us because we're a ministry, which is an arm, a missionary arm of churches like this. You're a part of us. We're a part of you. You know, we can't be a Gideon if we're not a member in good standing of a local evangelical church. We go because you're praying for us or we're not going to be successful. And you please pray because we can get discouraged, but we need to be diligent. Let me tell you one about a small, it was only a 13-room motel in the Shenandoah Valley. Now, you may have heard of that place, too. Gideons would go every few months and talk to the lady who owned this motel and said, we like to place Bibles in your motel. And she would tell them every single time, no, I'm not interested. By the way, the Bibles don't come from the factory in the furniture that way. We have to put them there. There are people who really believe when they order the furniture, there's a Bible in it. Not only that, we have to go back every six months because some of them disappear. We've not. We've not called a lawyer yet to say, let's persecute this person or prosecute them or whatever. Let them have it. We'll replace it. But this lady said, no, I don't want him here. But the Gideons went back, asked again, and she would say no. They went back consistently, and she said no. I don't know what wore her out. I have a feeling God may have worked in her life a little bit. Because the Gideon said, I'll just stop by today because I happen to have Bibles with me. And said, we would like to place Bibles here. She said, I have 13 rooms. If you have 13 Bibles, you can place them. He went out in his trunk and guess how many he had? Oh, you're seeing way ahead of me here. He had 13 Bibles and he placed them that day in that hotel or that motel. The very next day, a woman checked into that motel. She happened to have been familiar with the owner like that. The owner wasn't there, but she checked into the motel and the person who was doing all the paperwork and everything, didn't notice that she didn't have any luggage with her. She had a big purse, and that was it. And she went back to her room, pulled out a gun, and was ready to end her life. There's something about people who want to commit suicide. Very often they go to a motel because they don't want to make a mess at home. She went, pulled out that gun, and said, but before I do, she saw a Bible in that room. Had been placed the day before. She picked it up, started to read. The next morning, she checked out of that motel. It was her sister who owned the motel who was at the desk. She gave her her gun and said, you can have this, but I'm going to keep the book that was in that room. God's timing, God's purpose never fails. But pray that we continue to be diligent to do that work because we can get discouraged. You get turned down so many, many times. We used to go on college campuses and 90% of the students would say, no problem, I'll take one. Sometimes grudgingly. VCU campus this year we went and handed out, and I bet maybe 10% would take them. It's getting harder and harder to give out God's word. You know that from around here as you reach out to people. Something about God, that, ugh, whatever it is. So we covet your prayers as part of the church. We have to be members. And we also look for support from churches. We have a number of ways in which we can do that. We have a Gideon Bible card program. I'm not going to talk about it. Just we have it. If you want to talk to me afterwards, be happy to talk to you. You're having lunch. It gives me a reason to hang around. But we have a program whereby you can 
send cards to individuals. The cards are free, and you say, I'd like to designate for that individual X number of Bibles like that. You can be a friend of the Gideons. We have friends. We have some who are not so friendly, but we have friends. And you can support us. And maybe you might even qualify and say, maybe that's a ministry I would like. I qualify as a business professional person. Be happy to talk to you about that. We are a part of this church when we go out. So we're going out with you as we reach out for these individuals. It's getting harder, as I said, to go into schools and everything. We don't give up on that. You may or may not be familiar with something called the Life Book. It's from the Gideons. It's either the Book of John or the Book of Mark, whichever. Your church can call the Gideons and say, I'd like X number of these. What do you do with them? You hand them out to the youth in your church. We can't go in, but students go in, and they can pass notes and pass things, and they can give these to their classmates. Another way of getting in. In this age of technology, nobody reads anymore. My kids never did. We have an app, which we'd love to share with you. I'm amazed at how fast it downloads, and when it downloads, what it puts on it. There are over 1,600 different languages on that app. I don't know how many people are going to drive in here and say, well, I'm from wherever it would be. Do you have anything in my language? And, well, you can have it. Hortense was a woman in my oldest son's church in South Carolina who we got to know over years because her mother lived up in Manassas. And we would ferry things back and forth to her mother as we would visit. She told me that I'm getting ready to go over to West Africa to her home to do some teaching. I said, what are you going to teach? She said, I'm going to teach English. She said, well, what language do they use now? And she told me, and I didn't recognize it. I barely recognize English. But uh, I said, have you seen the Bible app? And so she downloaded it right there on the spot. And I said, let's go to the country. I think it was Cameroon. And it listed a whole number of languages that were spoken in the Cameroons. And she said, I don't know how to spell it, but this looks like it might be. And so we flipped to it. She said, oh, no, that's not it. She went down a little further. She said, oh, that one is it. And she turned it over and said, that's the language that they'll speak there. And I said, that's great. She said, I would share it with my mother, but she never learned to read. And I said, put it on audio. And she told me later, for the first time in her mother's life, she heard about Jesus Christ in her own language. We're trying to reach everyone with the word of God. A Bible can have a tremendous impact generations later. You may not be familiar with a little boy in India who was in a hospital. Why would you be? But he tried to kill himself. Home life was terrible. He thought the only thing to do was kill himself. So he tried to kill himself, but he wasn't very good at that either. And so he was in the hospital getting better. While he was there, he picked up a Bible that was placed there by the Guineans in India in his language and started reading through it. He came to know Jesus Christ. That's a great story in itself. But who's that little boy? Why would we care? Have you ever heard of somebody called Rabbi Zechariah? It's how he came to know Jesus Christ. Generations later, look at the impact it had. Not all of them are like that. and Most of them, we don't know who they are or what it's been. But God's working through his word. And he continues to work. The need is great. Terry's going to come up here in a minute. He wants to say something two or three minutes. But let me just tell you with one, one last thing as I pack up. The need is great, and people sometimes know they need God's Word, sometimes they don't. Most of them don't, but they find out later that they are glad they had it. But there was one young man who knew he needed a Bible, but he didn't know where to get it. He wrote a letter to the Gideons in Nashville from a foreign country, wrote the letter, and he said, I know your people who give Bibles to people who need Bibles. I worked for an entire week to earn enough money to buy the postage stamp to send you this letter. Please 
send me a Bible. The world is waiting. The world is in need. The world needs Jesus, and we're helping, and we want to work with you to reach them. Thank you. Terry, you want to come up? And... Terry is from the local Gideon camp here in uh, Buckingham and Cumberland. Thank you, Robert. Robert did a great job with that Gideon Church presentation, and uh, he's one of our fine state speakers that travels around. And when I heard he was going to be here at Shallow Church, I asked him if I could come with him. One, I wanted you to see a real live member of the Cumberland Buckingham Gideon Camp, so you too can be a member. And it's just a good group of men that love Jesus, want to share the story of Jesus by placing a Bible or giving their own testimony. And there's another reason I wanted to come to Shallow Church. Well, I'm from Buckingham, so we learn reading and writing in the road to Richmond. Like this lady said, well, I go by here all the time, but that's not the reason. Many years ago, probably in the early days of this church, there was a funeral here. It was a tragic death. There was a young man who was killed walking on one of the roads in Cumberland. And he went to school with my youngest son, Toby, in Farmville. And Toby told me about the, the accident. And he said, Dad, I want to go to go to his funeral. And I said, certainly, certainly. So he came down with some of his friends. Now, Toby was your typical teenage boy. He's, I was trying to introduce him to Jesus Christ. I got him in church almost every Sunday, but not quite. And, and I kept saying, you know, son, you need to, you need to study God's Word, and, and I want you to know Jesus. Well, Dad, I'm almost ready. I'm, I'm almost ready. I'll, we'll think about it. We'll think about it. Well, I wasn't with him that day when he came to this church for that funeral. I don't know what was said. I don't know who the pastor was. I don't know what the message was. But I know what happened at supper that night when he got home. He said, Dad, he said, I want to talk to our pastor about walking forward and accepting Jesus Christ. And I said, we can do that. So we did. And, and uh, that Sunday, he walked forward. And as he got out to walk to the front, when the altar call came at the end of the service, he had taken a few steps and another young man, another boy, his age, got out in the front. It was a beautiful day in that church. Two young men accepted Jesus Christ as their Savior. It was wonderful. We got home later for lunch and we were talking. And he said, Dad, he said, I didn't know that other boy was going to accept Jesus Christ too. And he said, I said, Toby, I said, he didn't know he was going to accept Jesus Christ either. I said, but his heart was opened and the Holy Spirit was speaking to him. And you witnessed to him when you took that step down that aisle. And that's the same thing the Gideons do. We witness to people about the love of Jesus that's in this book. We want them to have the book. We want them to know about Jesus. And we want to tell them about Jesus. I'm going to close with one more testimony. Robert gave so many great ones. This one comes from an atheist, though a confirmed atheist. If I mention Penn Gillette, many of you might say, who? But if I say Penn and Teller, the magicians, you'll say, oh yeah, yeah, I know them. I've seen them on TV. They're both atheists, confirmed atheists. They do not believe in God, I'll tell you. But after one of their magic acts, a Gideon who was in the audience came forward, approached Penn Gillette and said, I want you to have this Bible. It's the story of Jesus and it has Psalms and Proverbs in it. I want you. Well, Penn took it. He later made this statement and you can Check this out, fact check you. He said, anyone that knows the story that's in this book, the story of Jesus Christ, and doesn't tell it to you, must hate you. Well, friends, we know that we don't hate people. We're Christians. We're going to get them with love. And, and we love them, and we want them to know the story of Jesus. And that's what the Gideon ministry is about. We want to follow the great commission that comes in Matthew 28, 19, and 20. We want to tell people about Jesus Christ all around the world. And, and we, want, we want them to know that they too can have Jesus as their Savior.
Thank you all for allowing me to come into church today. God bless each one of you. God bless Shallow Church. God bless America. All right, guys, before all we end the day, we'll, 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 I want to all take up an offering for, for the Gideons. They, they're putting Bibles out there. They need help. They need funds. And we want to help them with that. So, George, if you would take care of that. The other thing before you guys sit down, I'd like for you to cover two things for me. Sure. One of them is the upcoming drive that you're going to be having up in Buckingham that you told me about. The new member program. Yes. Yes. And uh, tell them a little bit about what it is to become a member. Okay. If you could do that for me. The Gideons in the Buckingham Cumberland camp need to be strengthened. More people. We got work to do. I come to help them with this. And they're, they're members. I'm not a member of the local camp. I'm several camps away. But on April 18th, we're going to do a potential new member dinner. It's open to people who would qualify to become Gideons. Business professional, and, and we'd be sure happy to talk to you about, well, this is what I do. Do I qualify? And we'd invite you to that dinner. We'd let you join before then if you wanted. But we're going to be doing that on April 18th, and we'd like you to seriously consider it. And Terry will follow up with you locally. I'll follow up with you from a further away. But if it's in your heart to say, wow, that's a ministry I think I might want to be a part of, we invite you. If it's a ministry that's interesting, but I don't think it's for me, maybe I qualify, but it's not for me. We're going to invite you to that dinner anyhow, because even if you walk out and say, no, it's not, you'll know more about the Gideons. And we like that. So April 18th. What was the other thing? Is that it? Okay, good. My memory is really good. <laughs> Thank you. Will? It's still morning. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Guess what book we were in on uh, during Sunday school this morning? Somebody tell me. There you go. That's where we're going. <laughs> okay. <laughs> John 1. I want to say first, you can really get in a, well, to really appreciate what the Gideons do and what we all do, to appreciate this word of God, the Bible that we have in our hands. In English, I don't know how many different translations we have in English. It's a whole lot of them, okay? And it's written in more languages than I can count. But the sacrifices of our forefathers, they took from the first century forward to bring us this scripture. I might get into it just a little bit before we uh, before we leave today. But if you understand and if you get a grip of our past, where we came from, where the Bible came from, and the men and the people who handed this scripture down to us generation after generation after generation at such a cost, such a price of martyrdom, of, uh, of slavery, of 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 uh, every kind of persecution you can think of. It'll give you such a great appreciation for what the Gideons do and for what we do as well, for what all of us do, appreciation for this word. And I want to talk a little bit about what this word is, and that's where we're going. Genesis 1.1. Genesis says, In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth, and the earth was out form and void, and darkness upon the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. And the next thing you know, God said, Okay, God said, God spoke, God said something. In John 1, 1, it says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Hmm. Okay. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. 
In him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shines in darkness, and the darkness comprehend. I memorized it in the King James, and it comes out of me all the time, okay? <laughs> when I read another version, I just think, and the darkness did not comprehend it, okay? In the beginning was the Word. This is a, the word in Greek is the word logos. And lo and behold, there is a dictionary right here that talks about this word logos. It is something said to include the thought, by implication a topic or a subject or discourse, also the reasoning of a mental faculty. When uh, we often say to each other, what's the word? Give me a word. It's not that I don't want to know the word, you know, just pick out one word in the scripture and just give it to me. That's not what he's talking about. Give me an idea. Give me a thought. Give me something to grasp onto. Give me a, a conversation that we can get into. In the beginning was the word. The word was with God and the word was God. The word was God. Okay. The word is a man. The Word is a man who had the Word. The Word is, was God Himself. And I'm going to say this. In the beginning, God was com fully, was full and complete. Before there was heavens and before there was earth, did God lack anything? He was complete and whole within Himself. And He had this Word. He had this Word. Okay. He had the whole thing. It was it was not on stone, it was not written on sheepskin at this time. The word was in his mind. The word was in it was in him and it possessed him. In Hebrews chapter one. One one. I'm just going to say it. God, who at sundry times and divers manners spake in times past to the fathers by the prophets, has in these last days spoken to us by his Son, who had appointed, who had, who was appointed heir of all things, through whom also he made the worlds. In the times past, he spoke to the prophets in all kinds of different ways, in dreams and visions, uh, in audible voices, and, in, uh, and, and sometimes it was just uh, the word of the Lord came into me. We don't know how it did. But he spoke to the prophets. The prophets wrote it down, and he spoke to us. But it says, in these last days, he speaks to us by his Son, of whom he is appointed heir. <clears throat> he is the one who God had said, this is my beloved son, in him I am well pleased. He said that on the, on the, at the baptism. And on transfiguration, what did he say? He said, this is my son, hear ye him, hear ye him. He is the word that I am giving unto you. And it says in verse 3, who being in the brightness of his glory and the expressed image of his person and upholdeth all things by the word of his power, when he had by himself purged their sins and sat down at the right hand of the majesty on, on high. And it says that this Christ, this man, this God, upholds all things by the word of his power. 
What do you think about when it when you when he upholds all things? In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. He created everything that we see and everything that we don't see. The only thing he didn't create was himself. He's always been. He didn't create the Son. The Son did not create the Father. But he, I can't explain it. I can tell you about it. He upholds all things by the word of his power and by every, everything consists because of him. Who made you? Who made the trees? Who made the grass? Who made the rock that's in the driveway? Who upholds the rock that's in the driveway by the word of his power to, to, to the extent that if he stopped speaking, it would all obliterate? It would, if he stopped speaking, if he stopped upholding this universe, the whole thing would just disintegrate. He keeps it all by the word of his power. We're going to find ourselves in Colossians chapter 1. It's right after Philippians, verse 15. He, meaning Christ, is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For by him all things were created that are in heaven and that are in earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. All things were created through him and for him. And he was before all things, and in him all things consist. And he is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning of the firstborn from the dead, that it, that in all things he may have the preeminence. For it pleased the Father that in him all fullness should dwell. All things were created by him and for him. The dominions the powers, the principalities, everything is in, it was done for him. And I want to say that this book, that this word that we have, okay, that we possess today was, it, well, it is, it's God's word that he possessed from the very beginning. It is a plan that he had for you and that he had for each of us. God did not make this up as he went along. When he spoke to the prophets in times past, he spoke to one prophet in one generation. He had to wait for a new generation to be born before he spoke to another prophet. And he spoke a little different word. It was an updated word. Okay. Another generation would pass. Another prophet would come along. He would speak to this prophet. But he's not making it up as he went along because the word, the idea, the thought, the 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 plan that he had was in his mind, and he knew what he was doing from the very beginning. Now, this is where this is where unbelievers scoff. This is where people they want to they they want to second guess God. They want to say that he had a bad plan, and I don't like it. Okay, I'm not going to accept that plan. Well, let's turn to Psalm 85. We're going to wrap up here in just a bit. I want to talk real briefly about this plan that God had for each of us, that he had for this world, that he had for his creation. Psalm 85. The first part, about, the first part of Psalm 85 just talks about the salvation that comes to Israel and about his, 
the restoration that, uh, that, that he's going to perform in Israel and then, or to Israel. In verse 9, I'll just start in verse 8. It says, Then I will hear what God the Lord will speak, for he will speak peace to his people and to his saints, but to them that are turned back to folly. I'll say it again. But to his people, uh, let me read it again. I will hear what God the Lord will speak, for he will speak peace to his people and to his saints, but let them not turn back to folly. Surely his salvation is near to those who fear him, that that glory may dwell in our land. And he's speaking of the idea that, can I dwell in your land? Can I dwell in your land? The glory of Christ himself. We talked about Christ in you the, this morning. Here in the Old Testament, uh, God dwelt uh, between the cherubims. He, uh, between the cherubims above the mercy seat. That's what his dwelling place was. But it was with Israel. And he's saying, and surely the salvation is near, uh, near to those who fear him, that the glory, uh, the, the glory may dwell in our land. To the, through the fear of the Lord is the knowledge of wisdom is the beginning of wisdom. Verse 10, this is the plan. And mercy and truth have met together. Righteousness and peace have kissed each other. I'm going to sing a little song. We used to sing it here in Shiloh many years ago. Mercy and truth have met together. Righteousness and peace have kissed each other. In Jesus in Jesus, in Jesus, the Lamb that was slain. That's kind of how it went. <clears throat> Mercy and truth have met together. Righteousness have, and peace have kissed each other. God was truth from the very beginning. His word was the truth from the very beginning. The truth is God is righteous. God is just. God is holy. God is complete within himself. And the other thing is, God is merciful. God is merciful from the very beginning. This is his plan. Who is he going to be merciful to? He's going to be merciful to somebody who needs it. How is he going to have anybody who needs mercy? Hold on. Hold on. He's about to let something happen here that is going to... God just doesn't do that. It was from the very beginning. It was from the very beginning that this word was in the mind of God, that this word was, it came from him. And he created all things from, and he upholds all things by the word of his mouth. And if he stopped this word, everything would just fall apart. Okay. But he was merciful from the very beginning. He wanted to show grace to somebody, to somebody who rejected him. So he created this perfect garden. He created the perfect place that man could dwell. And he put man in the middle of this perfect environment of which he walked in the cool of the day, day and night knowing that this man would rebel on purpose so that God now could show his mercy through his son, Jesus Christ. That's the reason. 
And that was the plan that he had all along from the very beginning. Almost. I'm cutting it just a little bit short, but I really need you to understand. I want you to get the grip of this. If you had to identify, if you had to, to say, what is the, the Scripture? What is the Word of God? If you had to describe it in some fashion, put a, you know, the dictionary says the Bible is fill in the blank, okay? What do you think of it? I'm going to say that in my house, I have more Bibles than I, I can't, I don't know how many I have, okay? I just don't know. I trust most of you have a similar account. Say maybe some of you know exactly how many you have. Well, praise God. I hope there are, you know, you know and, and I, I will say that I don't open all of mine. I, I, I go, I, I use about three, and that's typically what I use. But the others are there in case, <laughs> you know. But we need to treasure this word like you, but like you, it is so important that we know what this word is and we study this word that we are able to ingest it and then to explain it to the best that we can. Because the next generation, the, the ones that's uh, my grandkids, are we, the Gideons were talking about it earlier. They are they are growing up in an in an environment of which they can be talked out of it. Okay, but the thing is, if you can be talked out of it, you can be talked into it by the Holy Ghost. But the Holy Ghost has to have well. The Holy Ghost wants to use something to grab a hold to, like the Word of God, like Jesus being preached. If you preach Jesus, the Holy Ghost now has something he can grab hold to and then move into this individual through the preaching of Christ. I'm not saying he he wants that vehicle. That's what he wants, okay? But this is what I'm going to suggest that the Scripture would be based on the things that we've seen, what I've talked about so far. The Word or the Scripture is the foundational source of which all truth is derived from. That's what I would say it is. The Scripture is the basis or the, or the source or the, it's the foundation. It is where all truth originates. What did Jesus say of himself? I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. No man comes unto the Father except through me. The truth rests on something in the Word that was in the mind of God from the very beginning, that was in His, it was part of what He is. That Word of how He is able to tether mercy and truth on one end. The truth is, you've sinned. You've grievously sinned. The truth is he had every right just to flood you out, just like he did in the days of Noah. He's got, he's got every, he's righteously can do that. That's the truth. His mercy is, I'm going to show mercy to somebody. I'm, I'm going to create a people that I am able to be merciful to. And I can do that through his son. I can take all of my wrath on his son. He can handle it. He wants to do it. That was his, I want to do it because I want to be merciful too. The son says, I'm, I want to be merciful as well. I will do this. I will take that punishment that my father has, and then I will extend it to everybody I want to. And 
from that the truth of God's righteousness and the mercy were met together in Jesus Christ. He is the way, the truth, and the life. And that's why the study of this word is crucial. It should be, you know, everybody should just love it because of the of the sacrifices that uh, your, your our ancestors, forefathers have been through to bring it to us. But all the truth that you will ever know is comes from or has links or is grounded or springs forth from this word of God that was already from the beginning. And that's what I have for today.